And you're very welcome to Wade In as we look back on the weekend just gone, the Aintree Festival overall and the Grand National. Lots to talk about, plenty of interesting races to get our teeth stuck into over the last three days. All in the company of Mr. Kevin Blake. How are you, Kev? I'm excellent, Hugo. Yeah, great form this morning, actually. Yeah, I'm very, very, very positive. Something, yeah. something has tickled your fancy. We'll get into this a little bit later on, but Kevin Blake is, is, is excited, Tony Calvin. He's exercised, and we might get the best of him on this weighed-in show. What do you reckon? For me? Yeah. No, Kevin. No, no, no. You're, you're, you're a flatline. Always. You know, <laughs> but Kev, Kev's peaking today. <laughs> Listen, TC, well done. You tipped up the winner of the Grand National. <laughs> we'll get back into that in just a second. Vanessa, did you did you back the winner? Did you listen to Tony Calvin or did you, like me, just ignore what Tony said because he was on 159 losers in a row? So there was no way this was going to win. What do you reckon? Yeah, me and you were in the same boat there, I'm afraid. I didn't follow in Tony Calvin, but what a shout that was. Fair yeah. play. Yeah. I had a great couple of days up in Aintree. I just, I, I just honestly, I just love that meeting. I just, yeah. I okay, Aintree or Cheltenham, Vanessa? Aintree or Cheltenham? Oh, it's oh, no, different. No, no, it's, it's different. It's very different. Like, I know it's different, but which Aintree's one would you rather like, go to? If you could only uh, go no. to one, Vanessa. If I, could, one. if I could only go to one, I'd go to Cheltenham. Like, I'm there for the racing. But yeah. Aintree, honestly, just all the wheels come off. It's just a bloody great yeah. time. Those mad Liverpoolians. On the piss. I wasn't on the piss. I wasn't on the piss. I mean, I was really pissed, but I wasn't on the piss. <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, Tony Calvin, I'm going to kick off with you because, look, in fairness to you, you know, you tipped them up. Uh, very few people did. Massive prize as well. We'll get into the bet for SP maybe a little bit later on. But um, a fantastic performance and a fairy tale end for Sam Whaley Cole in the saddle as well. I mean, the perfect uh, the perfect winner for the Grand National, really, wasn't it? It was for me, obviously. I don't go <laughs> <laughs> I don't go mad. I don't go mad about the one-off winner when I've had a when I've had a season like I've had. But yeah, it's from a personal point of view, it's like Kevin last year when he tipped up the the 50 to one, one, two, three, four, or what it was. It's professionally, it's, you know, it's, it's a very big stage for you, isn't it? So yeah. So yeah, it's, it was, it was great. And financially, obviously it was good as well. So yeah. And obviously it's, um, yeah, it was, as I put in my column there, it was a potential story of the race with the retiring angle. And, you know, he's got a brilliant record in the race, isn't he? I mean, second on Oscar time and me looking back and he was always in the right place at the right time. A lot of people saying it was an overly strong pace in the first circuit. He just worked his way into it and he went through the race like a dream, isn't it? I, I thought he was cooked um, after the last, but, you know, he stayed on, you know, really, really well there. And in fact, for most of the race, I thought Santini was going better. And I tipped up Santini each way at 50s when the weights come out. And I actually thought he was going to win for a lot of that race, more so than uh, Noble Yacht. <laughs> I oh, know he, he, honestly, he falls in running, and I was thinking it was game on here because you know Schofield didn't go for him. Um, I thought it'd be, I thought he'd give him be given a more aggressive ride, but uh, no, he's he's run a blinder, isn't he? So you'll have to take it all back, you. Yes, I take it all back. I mean, the difference between you and I, Tony, is that I guess. You only need one of your shots to stick, and you're you're already you know back to to level par. I I mean, if I went on a run like you, it would take me seventy five years to get out of the horses that I back and the prices that I back at. But but any second now, obviously for Ted Walsh, I did feel for Ted Walsh. You're doing a martingale approach. You'd be having a three billion quid on the last one. But what? Never in doubt, lads. Before yeah. we uh, before we uh, I let the others in. One thing that really amused me, he said it was by mistake when Tony Mullin said, well done to Sam Wallet-Cohen. <laughs> he said it was corrective text, was it, bollocks? It was Sam Wallet-Cohen, is, is he known for being a bit um, 
Tight, Tight, shall we say, or no? He's known for being a bit rich. Here. Oh, oh right, he's known for. Go again. Want it going? Brilliant line. Fantastic. <laughs> Nobody calls me that, Judy. You won't be surprised to know. Uh, by the way, um, Kev, look in terms of the, the overall. I mean, any second now for Ted Walsh. I did feel for Ted. Um, obviously, know know him pretty well as you do as well. Um, perennial runner-up. Any second now always seems to run a cracker without actually just getting there. Um, I felt for him, but you can take nothing away from all connections here, including Emmett Mullins. And this was a fantastic training performance. Yeah, there's loads. Uh, we'll start with the winner. Um, uh, like the, clearly, the focus was on Sam Willie Cohen. Like you could, you couldn't have written it really. You know, announced it was going to be his last ride um, on the Thursday. You know, he's had an unbelievable time over the entry fences. I think six wins, never in the national, um, a couple of placings, and you know, not like he was riding the fav. <laughs> He's right, the 50 to one shot in the national, and, yeah. uh, and he goes out on a winner. Like, it's incredible. I love people, you know, the outsides will poke at, at, at the whole team. You know, they have more money than God, and they bought the horse, you know, two months ago. And how can it be a fairy tale in those circumstances? But it is, you know, racing is full of, of such such situations. And like Sam Whaley Cohen has been a great ambassador for the game. You know, he's, he's been riding for as long as I've been in racing, and he's always been a very good amateur. Like he, you, you can have absolutely. I'm not, I'm not, you know, brown nosing, but you can have absolutely no doubt that if Sam Whaley Cohen wasn't what he is and doing what he does for a living, and he committed himself to being a jockey and stayed amateur, like he wouldn't be far off one of the best amateurs knocking around. Like, I got a very little doubt about that. He's always been a very good rider, and um, and sure, look, he showed it all here. You know, the horse wasn't traveling for him early, you know, jumped off handy. You know, ITV had the lovely overhead shots showing the early stages and like he drifted back dramatically through the field early on before he kind of latched on and made headway. You know, it was a lovely, lovely ride. Um, and sure, look, Emmett Mullins was kind of almost kind of lost in, in the in the Whaley Cohen love-in, um, which might have suited him. You know, he's, he's a different kind of character, Emmett. Like he is kind of secretive and quiet and doesn't necessarily want publicity. Um, you know, even on an occasion like this, you know, 32 years of age. I don't know if it's officially a fact, but I suspect he might be the second youngest trainer of all time to win the race after Gordon, after Gordon who, yeah. I think, who I think was 29 or so when he won it. So it's an incredible achievement for him. You know, Paul Byrne, former owner of the horse, like they hatched this plan between them back in October. Horse has an absolute trend-busting profile. You know, seven-year-old, first run over fences in October, first run of his life a year and a half ago um, on the track. You know, it, it we was can't give we can't give Emmett too much credit though, um, Kev, because as we all know, there's no magic to training horses. Any godfather can do it. <laughs> Any godfather can do it. You know what I mean? Just throw him out in the field there, throw him out the yeah. field, run around for a couple of laps, and then send him to the Grand National. It's as easy and simple as that, isn't it? Yeah, I, I, I tell you, with those comments, I'm sure we'll mention it later. But it did, it did bring a thought into my mind. God, wouldn't it make a brilliant reality TV show for uh, for for Bruce to take uh, Bruce Millington? This is a great waterway for Bruce to take out a, a trainer's license with Graham as his assistant, give him a few horses oh. there, and just watch how it pans out. It'd be very funny. It's a- uh, <laughs> funny is one word we could just finish describe it all. Be very entertaining. But yeah. uh, we, we'll talk about that later. I think they might have got a slight raw deal in those comments, but we, yeah. we'll come back to it. I'm sure. Vanessa, um, in turn, in turn just in terms of like I guess the fairy tale you know not you take sports and like I'm thinking of brilliant careers over the years um, that, that didn't you know I guess maybe get the fitting ending that they deserved it happens very often like for someone like Sam to reflect on this to think my last ever ride as a jockey was in the Grand National and to go and win it and with the connections I mean it, it is literally extreme stuff 
It, no, it is, it is genuine fairy tale stuff. And if you wrote it in a film, um, if you wrote it in a script for a film, people would say it was too cheesy and yeah. it would never happen. Yeah. Oh, everyone in the cinema like, would be yeah. puking. Oh, yeah. Come like, on, it, really? It would be too much. It would be too, too much. You know, with all the history of you know his, his brother and how close they were, were, his father backing him for 23 years. Like, you can't, I can't have this whole, like, oh, they've got money, so it's not so much of a fairy tale. Like, bullshit. I don't care whether you're black, white, male, female, rich, poor, whatever. If you win the national on a 50 to one shot and your father owns it and your son rides it and you bought it six weeks ago, whatever, none of that really matters. It was a genuine fairy tale stuff. And, like, it was hard not to get caught up in it in the moment as well. But when I watched the footage back, obviously sorry the coverage back obviously the focus was on sam because of everything we've covered and that you know his fairy tale has been well covered in the press but going back to the emmett mullins angle and the paul byrne thing honestly like i cannot tell you how cool this is and some people won't like it but they plotted a horse to win a national like really think about that you know when you like of course you see like trainers and owners picking out a race at Ballon Robe on a Thursday and they might pick it out and win it for whatever reason because they the owner sponsored it or whatever but in this case these lads like said back in October you know we're going to train this horse for a national and they went and won a national it's just incredible and Emmett himself like Kevin says you know, he's a relatively quiet guy and maybe it would have suited him that it sort of slightly was he was slightly passed over in all the furore about Sam Whaley Cohen but like honestly those Mullins cousins like they're incredible when you think about it because they're very very different you know Danny David Patrick, obviously, Emmett and Anthony in there as well. They're incredibly different in so many ways. But their one similarity is, A, they're all outside-the-box thinkers. None of them, they're all happy to go against the grain. They're all happy to think differently. And on top of that, they're all intelligent enough to carry out what they want to carry out. And, you know, the way Danny rides, David's retirement decision, the way Patrick rides, the way he rides and the way, the way Emmett trains, you know, they're like they're not shackled by tradition or what's gone before them. They're happy to do things differently. And if they get it wrong, they get it wrong. But I just love that they're not restricted by tradition that's gone before them, which so many other trainers are. You know, like Kevin said, you wouldn't have older trainers running a seven year old in the national because the stats said you can't and you've got to give them a year's extra time or whatever that may be. But, you know, Emmett and those like he wouldn't think like that. He wouldn't know where to. He said in an interview, didn't he? He wouldn't know where to look the stat up. He just wouldn't care about that. And as a result, you get a result like we saw on Saturday. And honestly, for me, for all it was about Sam Wadey Cohen, I bow like I bow down to Emmett and Paul Byrne. What a job they've done! Incredible. And explain the significance, Kevin, of of a horse that had won a bumper only months previously to go and on, on and train to win a national. Explain the significance of that. You know, for, I guess for for Emmett Mullins. Well, just just in general, Hugh, like there would be a perception there that um, that you know the Grand National, you know, is the toughest test of a national hunt horse, and you need to be hardened, and you need all this experience, and sure, they have a whole load of conditions written into the race now that that demand a certain level of experience um, over trips and a certain number of run over fences and a certain minimum age. You know, seven is the youngest you're allowed running the race now, um, because uh, it the 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 perception that the test of the race presents. So for a horse to that flies in the face of all that to go and win, I think it's actually quite good for the game, and it might op- might open the eyes of some of the more old fashioned. Um, amongst uh, amongst the mm. racing circles, because like I, I'm a huge believer that you know the whole national hunt system that we have is like is out of date. 
Like it's designed to give horses years and years of time building experience before we throw them into open company. And I, I really strongly believe it's not necessary. And, and a horse like this, you know, backs that up on the biggest and toughest, most high profile of stages. So it's fantastic. It might, might get people thinking a little bit differently about national horses I mean, and what they can do early in their careers. Yeah. And Emmett, Emmett followed it up. But I think he said in one of his interviews that like about the stat about seven year olds or whatever. And he said, the only thing I knew about like in terms of the profile of the horse coming into the race the only thing i cared about was that he was qualified on the rules to run e.g yeah. he'd had the right amount of chase runs and he was a seven-year-old and bearing in mind you know obviously all horses you know turn of age on the first of january but he wasn't born until may so he's not even officially I mean, yeah. he is officially seven but as in you know in actual months he's still only a six-year-old it's incredible honestly yeah. it's just incredible. There's, two, there's two points that and one of them i think has been massively underplayed and i haven't seen it mentioned anywhere um mentioned that I went back and had a look because when, when the horse was bought in February, I, I did ask around about how much he went for. And look, I don't know if this is true or whatever, but the, the text I have, uh, the same connections got apparently 600 grand for the shunter. And apparently the gossip is that this horse changed hands for 350 grand in February. So even though they gave him away a grand national win, I mean, the combination of Ed McMullins and Paul Byrne, Paul Byrne was, I think was, under 10 years ago, he was just working at the Racing Post in the marketing. Yeah. So, you know, it's not quite a Derek Smith rags to riches story, but he's obviously got a fair few grip behind he's, him. He's, um, yeah, he's he's an incredible thinker and he, he's a, he's been the friend of the Mullins family for a long time and he's been in ownership for a long time and he's actually like, he's got a fair bit of experience under his belt and he's a very, very shrewd and different operator. Like, you spend any time with him and he's, what like incredibly intelligent and very shrewd yeah, but the, the second aspect is the way the horse has been campaigned let's let's not get you know let's not you know let, let's not lose sight of the fact is one of the reasons i went for the horses because it had just massively untapped potential now obviously the the ultima was a sighter getting to know you kind of thing but you know he, this horse is pretty controversially campaigned he's he's twice returned clinically abnormal this season um you know he clearly is shaped a lot lot better on all his starts in, since winning the Galway in October including when that second in the town and go back and go back and look at that race and you just think mm. a more aggressive ride and he's chasing up that winner albeit the winner was giving him five pounds so yeah and that was his qualifying run TC he wasn't qualified for the race until yeah. then he needed to get placed over three miles <laughs> you can't lose sight of the fact that this horse has been controversially campaigned and some of the race readers in Ireland and and, and the time for all guys and stuff like that have been you know, have been kind of like flagging him up for a while. But yeah, he, just a phenomenal all-round performance from jockey, trainer, owner. But, um, Tony, do you, I know you're not, you're not, you're not here to talk to, for Betfair as such. Um, can, have you any insight into why the Betfair SP was yeah, 29 uh, to got, 1 versus 50 to 1 industry SP? I'll tell you what, we've got a question on that later. So we'll right. do that fully then, then. You. Okay, yeah, I've, perfect. I've got, okay. I've got the full gen on that, so. Perfect. Okay, we'll, we'll, we'll hold fire for that. Um, obviously, Santini ran a cracker as well. Delta work after winning at Cheltenham as well. Um, ran a cracker. But look, yeah, it was a pretty race. And I guess the story as well. And look for Sam as well. Enjoy the retirement. And um, not a bad way to bow out. Just a, cutter, a couple of other um, big results, I guess, from um, the week that was in Aintree. Um, we should talk about Gentleman to Me because Kevin um, Edward Stone was a, a banker for many people. Even though I think on Racing Only Better last week, we kind of said four to six was 
even decent value. As it turns out, um, Willie, again, produced a horse to come in and, and take down the local favourite here. Um, it was an impressive, it wasn't a fluke, I don't think. No, I thought he was very good and like I was quite dismissive of him um, coming into the race. You know, I thought he had it all to prove and geez, he didn't have to go and prove it. And you know, made made a bad mistake along the way too. But um, like another another horse kind of in the mold of I suppose a a, a young Energamine or, or an Undeso, you know, a front runner, aggressive front runner, yeah. you know, a quick jumper. Um, like I just it, it was good to watch now. And Edward Stone, look, he's had a long season, but um, he was eleven lengths clear at third time lucky, which you know is. It tallies in with a lot of what we saw between those two all season long, you know. So you're, I think it'd be you might be reaching to say Edward Stone wasn't at his best. He might have yeah. just and you're, 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 met a better one here. Your comparison with Dunnesoe is 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 probably interesting in that Willie's comments afterwards. He said, "Look, this horse we have to train him on his own. We have to run him on his own. Every time we put him on the gallops alongside three or four others, he tries to absolutely destroy the whole field. Yeah. So it's not in his interest to kind of keep him in company. They put him out on his own. So he's obviously a bit quirky. He obviously does have a few little jinks there." I yeah, think he, um, there was. Did you hear? I think he the, the day before when they took him out for a leg stretch, it all went a bit Pete Tong as well. Oh, boy, I didn't oh, hear really? That. Oh, yeah. he ran off, did he? Yeah, did I he? think so. Yeah, <laughs> a bit of a headbanger, which makes me like him even more. Love him. It, was yeah. a, it was a phenomenal performance. Mm. I thought, it was. But when he made that mistake too, out, I thought, yeah, he's going to get Edwardson is going to get him there. But I thought it was hugely impressive. One of the one of the most impressive performances of the week by. Another one into the mix, lads. Shishkin yeah. and Erdogan. Yeah. Well, Tony, Tony's already backed him for the Champion Chase 2023. That's the kind of guy T, Tony Calvin is backing for <laughs> Cheltenham uh, two weeks after the festival itself. Actually, what about, oh, yeah. A mate of mine said, oh, after John Bond won, a mate of mine said, oh, uh, I'm backing him for the two mile four at Cheltenham next year. I said, well, I, I won't tell you what I said. Cause... <laughs> <laughs> Suffice to say, he's no longer a mate of mine. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you can leave his number. I use the F and the C words. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just looking for the crack here. What price is he for the champion? Chase? have to be to watch a race like that and then think, oh, I'm going to back him for next year's Marsh or Greg's sausage roll race or whatever. Yeah, <laughs> the vegan vegan sausage roll gold cup. Forget about a year's time. He's forty. He's forty to one for the champion chase, lads. In terms of um, Kevin, in terms of, in terms of long term, uh, long term propositions, that's actually no. way bigger price than I was expecting to find. No, still wouldn't have. Right, Vanessa, Hoy Senor. Um, uh, obviously, look, a brilliant performance in and of itself. This not without controversy, I guess, because Brave Man's game blew up in the manner in which he did, and Paul Nichols' comments afterwards, where he seemed to suggest that Brave Man's game, despite not running at Cheltenham, left his race behind at Cheltenham. I couldn't make sense. There's a lot of people on social media as well who are kind of scratching their heads here. And look, the winner, first of all, uh, deserved to win. Oh, look, like there's been no doubt all season we've seen this. But the Hoisin has got this huge engine, obviously won the grade one 12 months ago over hurdles as well. And then over fences, he's just always, to my eye, looked like a work in progress. We know there's a huge engine under the, under the bonnet, but mm. he just hasn't always got it together for one reason or another, mainly due to his jumping. I think his jumping's let him down. And you saw that again in the week, just his jumping took a while to warm up. And then the further he went, the better he got. He doesn't quite have the ability yet to shorten and be really sharp. He's he's better when he's, well, he's obviously better when he's bang on or a touch long. Um, and he's still, I I think he's still a very green horse. You know, obviously he was out in front for most of the way at Aintree and it is the way he travels, but, you know, he's quite lucky. Like he's got his head quite high and he's having a good look at everything, having a good look at the crowds and um 
And then even on the head on, you saw like when um, they went for him, you know, he just he doesn't quite run in a true line. Then you bump the rail a couple of times. He's definitely a big green work in progress. But my God, he's a promising Gold Cup hope. I, I really like him. I think the more he does, the better his jumping is going to get. Um, there's no fluke about him now. He was a huge price when he won the grade one hurdle, but there was nothing about that in the forerunner race. Obviously, I think Lahon Press probably he left his, you know, I think probably his mark was left on him from a, the race left to mark on him from Cheltenham, sorry. Um, mm. And I thought his connections were very, you know, gentlemanly in defeat. I think they think, you know, they know they've got a great horse, got a lovely horse. He just didn't quite get into the same jumping rhythm. Might need a bit more cut in the ground, but he's still a great prospect going forward. And as for Braves man's game, he really didn't show up at all. I think Fury Road probably run his race. So all in all, look, it's a four-runner race. I think the winner is very, very good, but we know two horses in a four-runner race didn't really show up at their very best. Yeah. Um, but I, I love a horse in the I think he's, yeah. I honestly think he's a proper, proper Gold Cup horse. <laughs> yeah, he does. Mentioned the, the form of the Venetia Williams table, which which was actually appalling all throughout. Yes, sorry, it was, wasn't it? So that, Following that, yeah. may, that may that may contribute to long following time. on from such a brilliant Cheltenham, where everything yeah. was hitting the frame at huge prices. It's mad the way it could turn so quickly, isn't so it? Like quickly, it just, like, and just, if they were left, I don't know. You know, it's a funny one, but yeah, they were out of form. In fairness, you make. Yeah, but let's let's call Spades Bay, Tony. Like Nichols got it wrong with Brayman's game. He should have run him at Cheltenham. He should have run him at Cheltenham. And if he says afterwards that he left his race behind him beside the running, he got it wrong. Like you know, he has to hold his hands up here. I think that might have been misinterpreted a bit, but on, right. the face, on the face of it, what he said doesn't make any sense whatsoever. Going to going, it's not like he's coming down from Scotland with Brave Man's game. I mean, Nichols Nichols is quite reasonably close to Cheltenham um, uh, from from his base, so I, I don't know. Like, the horse just underperformed. Just just say so and get on with it. It's like uh, Long Presse. If I was Venetia Williams, although. Obviously, it's it was in the middle of Cheltenham, uh, in the middle of Aintree, and you don't know how all her, all her horses. In hindsight, she just said, "Look, all my horses ran badly. There might be something on them that could be contributing." To the just because a horse runs badly once, just get over it. Just say yeah. so. They're national hunt horses, lads. Jesus, come yeah. on. Well, okay, well then, on the flip side, Clonus Oba was brilliant, uh, Kevin, and you know this horse. <laughs> He'd be very frustrating, like if if you followed him the whole time. Like if you picked your moments when the backhand is over, you'd be a rich guy. But that's consistency, I guess, just isn't there. But he was brilliant. He obviously loves Adrian. He was brilliant. Yeah, look, in fairness, you could make excuses for his two runs, um, his two previous runs. You know, the King George. We we all know the way the, the way that race panned out, and he probably got involved in, in an overly strong pace, you know, early enough. And then Nicholas's horses all seemed to be disappointing at the at the time he ran at, at Newbury, wasn't it? Um, and look, the blinkers did the trick. The cheek pieces, first time cheek pieces really sparked them up in the race the previous year, and the blinkers first time seemed to really spark him up this time. And he's very good. Like he's just, he's a very good horse, this lad. And just like you say, he doesn't necessarily produce it every day, but when he's on, like he, he's right up there amongst the, the, the best staying chasers around. And this was a good performance, you know, conflated, um, ran him down late, but I'd say, I don't know if, how much idling and how much tiring was involved there with Clamless Oboe, but he had the race wrapped up a, a fair bit out in fairness to him. Yeah, absolutely. And um, look, we hope, to see him at the Punchestown Gold Cup, it's not a certainty, obviously, but um, we might get him over. Um, yeah, that's the plan, I think. You should, I think you should, yeah, yeah. I think you will. Yeah. Well, obviously, Paul's um, always um, very willing to send winners over to Ireland, which is great, and, and we hope to see that. A couple more before we move on to some other topics then. Epitant was very good, um, oh. as she always is. I don't know, does it, does it, I, I guess, does it make you think 
Uh, Kevin, how, how good probably Tuckle is really that Epitron is uh, in and of herself a very good mare. She's a former champion hurdle winner, obviously. Um, but you know, she keeps running into Honeysuckle now, who just puts her away with ease. Um, yeah, in fairness, like she's look, she's had her issues along the way, but she, she's come back to something like herself now, in fairness. And uh, this was very good. Look, pity that Zana here fell. I'm sure Epitone would have beaten them, but it would have been nice to see it pan out. Um, you know, Zandahir's stamina was going to be an asset to him. Um, she certainly looked to be traveling all over him, but there you go. We won't we won't get to find out until another day, maybe. But uh, she was very sharp. Lovely ride by Aidan Coleman as well over the longer trip. She was keen enough without being over the top. And um, I thought he delivered her quite nicely. So I can yeah. see them like, I, you know, I don't think she's ever going to get past Honeysuckle unless Honeysuckle underperform. But she's going to, I bet you next season will look very similar to this season. And I can see them targeting this race with her. You know, she's still yeah. only, is she an eight-year-old? I think she's only an eight-year-old, isn't yeah, she? she? Yeah. Seems like she's been around for ages. Yeah. And I can see them targeting this race, you know, as her main target next year, you know, as in this will, this, I look to suit her really well. And we know that with the Irish often targeting Punchestown, we don't see as many, you know, if an Irish horse wins a champion hurdle, then they could go, they could skip the entry hurdle. So this could look like a perfect target for her for seasons to come. Keep well, training till 2023 when we got a five-day Cheltenham and a two-mile four grade one hurdle. For mares, <laughs> for mares only. Yeah. Mares two mile four hurdle. And, Love and that. English, oh, uh, British horses only as well, just to make sure. Yeah. Epitome will be <laughs> two to one on when we all get stuck in. But listen, <laughs> why, why we're on, on hurdle talk, guys, let's just stay with this now because I mentioned Epitone obviously running into Honeysuckle and it doesn't look like anything can beat her this season. But, Kevin Blake, Constitution Hill, Patrick Power of bookmaker fame has put up his little reward for any horse that comes over wins the hurdle race at Punchestown, for which Constitution Hill has been entered, we could have the prospect of the young pretender Come and on. the queen of the hurdles going head to head in Punchestown. This would be fucking brilliant. Ah, oh, the, the queen versus the machine. The queen versus the prince. Mm. I don't know, you can, you, can, you can spin it whatever way you want, but uh, yeah. uh, this, this has got me engaged this morning now in a big way. I'd be excited thinking about this. Yeah, you've um, been running around morning. the house like a little child all day, giddy like And, and that's rare, you. It's that's unlike rare. you to get excited I, 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 now I about I'm, I'm anything quite... other than Joseph yeah. O'Brien, basically. Yeah, well, that's so it. this <laughs> is big. <laughs> I'm, I'm, not, I'm, not as, I'm not as quite as flatline as Tony Calvin, but I am a fairly level fella now in terms of the old emotions. <laughs> I do take a bit of firing up, but the thought of this and just how... She is how a lucky lady, by the way. Go on. I'll tell you. She takes a while to get Kev going, but when he gets there, by God. <laughs> anyway, you were saying it's just the just the thoughts with honeysuckle and constitution hill pillows. Now I said no, no, lads. It's early in the morning. Yeah. Um, the, like, just the thoughts of what this could do and what this race could be, what the build up could be. Mm. Like it really is kind of once in a generation stuff, potentially. Um, and, and look, Nikki and Mick Buckley are seemingly having a meeting this week to make a decision. And it's great that they're doing it now because if they go ahead with this and seemingly reports are saying that like Mick Buckley is dead keen to try to do this. No. If it happens and they announce it this week, that it's going to happen. That gives this sport two weeks, two weeks and a bit to rev this up to the max. And look, we know what horse racing is like. One of them could step on a stone. The race itself could be a massive anticlimax, but it's so rare for national hunt racing to get an opportunity like this for a genuinely blockbuster clash. I stuck up a poll on Twitter there this morning. Who do you think will win? There's thousands of votes in already, and it's near enough 50-50. 
-hmm. like the narrative, everything, Britain versus Ireland, you know, the established queen against the young pretender that ran a faster time than her at Cheltenham. Like it's everything. This is everything. everything. I'd be so sick if this doesn't happen because opportunities like this just don't come up. Come on, lads, for the good of the game. They're national horses. They won them. So what? He's so, be legends after this. He's so excited. I'm glad we're only seeing him from the top up. God, if this yeah. if this doesn't get the revs up on you, you know, ring your doctor, get him in and check your pulse. There's something wrong, or else yeah. you're in the wrong game. This must even excite you. What I would say is the, the, the Betfair Sportsbook have, have opened up betting eight to What's the price? What's the price? What's the price? Eight, seven honeysuckle, 11 to 8 Constitution Hill. Oh, oh can't, can't be having that. that. Can't I be having that. They have one way traffic there. Wouldn't I think they, they get filled in at that. I, they I get filled it in at that. It would surprise me if the, you, were, you were going evens 82 minimum um, by the end of the day or whenever that market is cottoned onto because uh, I know it's a mythical market at the moment, but yeah, I mean, surely everyone's going to. I mean, you know, Henry de Bonhead might get. Uh, a total arsake if Constitution Hill goes off air against Honeysuckle, but I can 100% see that. Who are we on, Vanessa? Who are we on? Who are we on? Who are you, on? Who are you, on? Who are you backing? Who are you, uh, who are you I'd have to stay with the Brits. What I quite like is with the with, with Constitution Hill. No, no, well, what I just like Kevin's touched upon, like you said there, actually, there's just so many layers to it in terms of being able to promote it because also there's definitely a general feeling in Ireland that the um, the English don't really like do I don't know I often feel like that they question whether we respect honeysuckle as much as we should you know I always think there's a bit of an angle there and like this would just be such a class clash honestly oh. and from a like from a TV point of view obviously it'd be on racing TV you know like but it, no but I mean the Sky Sports racing cover racing that they don't show as well and so they give it the big push you know like every there's be so much you could get behind it with proper promo Punchestown could go mad for it honestly it would be oh. it would live be live on RTE what day? what day is it again Friday the 29th I'm gonna be there. I believe I'm be there too. I'm I'm de- be there. Be- and I'll tell you, I and you know, people I, like I was there the day Sprinter Sacker came over to Punchestown. He was nine to one on. It looked like you know, it was going to be a procession. It wasn't as it turned out, but the crowd, like yeah, for, the show, you, know, you think you think a nine to one on shot isn't going to engage like the, the buzz around the place that day. There were 10 deep around the parade ring to see that this absolute smasher of a horse over from yeah. England, like this, which would be a coin flip in odds terms. Like, my God, the excitement. And Punches sounds a big place, lads. They will fill it. And it will be absolutely rocking. And if you're Nicky Henderson and Mick Buckley and you have this decision in your hands to create like something genuinely legendary that like this the dawn run buckhouse this is the sort of territory we're talking about yeah let's make this happen please for the good of the game this is for the good of the game please come, come on if you've got his wife's number tell her tell her to slip some bromide in his tea tonight he's getting far <laughs> far too excited he's gonna absolutely it sounds uh, as though it sounds as though uh you know i think mick Michael Buckley seems to have a lot of say in this, and as far as I can tell, he he's a game. He's he's game, isn't he? Like, come how on. many owners? How many owners would have mentioned this possibility before the Supreme? Like, he I love did. it. I love no it. one would have done that. That tells you what kind of character he is. Yeah, and I, I, yeah, I think he, he's going he to he he be game ball. He knew what he, he had. Might have thought, also, he might have thought also, what he had. He, he didn't know he had yeah, time but, forms highest rated novice hurdler of all time. You know, the last seventy five years. 
Also, he's, he's a man who's lived through loads of highs, but some lows as well, mm. as he's articulated in the past in the press. And, you know, he, he's weathered a lot of storms. And I'd say there's a view in his mind of, you know, you, it's a cliche, but the old you only live once. He'd be a man that, you know, he knows that fact. And who knows what will happen down the line. He's got a horse to go to war with, with Honeysuckle. I I have it more likely to happen than not to happen, Kev, Come on, I think. Please. Come on. Yeah. Okay. All right. Look, we'll wait and see if it is confirmed. But if it is, it'll be absolutely uh, fantastic as well. Um, right. Just in terms of Aintree, before we move on, um, you know, yeah. I guess the issue the issue about the Grand National itself and the subsequent fatalities that we suffered um, post the announcement on ITV that all the horses have returned safely to the stables, and then obviously them go, between them going off air, we obviously got confirmation that 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 wasn't the case. Now, just I guess you know to put the cards on the table here, I'm not suggesting, and I don't think anyone in their right mind suggested there's any fault with ITV whatsoever. They were merely communicating the line that they had been given, um, which, to the best of their knowledge, was absolutely factual at the time, and it's 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 you know that's all they could go on because. That was what the press officers from the racetrack gave to them at the time. But I guess subsequent to that, we had an issue where we now know we, we lost um, some horses uh, along the way. And um, people were kind of giving out saying, look, you know, sh- should this have been handled better, Kevin Blake? You know, was, was the communication barrier an issue? Should they have been more forthcoming with problems for horses? Um, rather than just saying, oh, he's grand, back in the stable, everything's fine. What's your perception of how the whole thing played out? Well, look, I suppose you have to view this within the prism of the amount of pressure and scrutiny that there always is on the Grand National. And there would have been a lot of pressure at Aintree to convey a message to the broader audience uh, on, on ITV before they went off air. And at the time they released it, the statement they did, like what they said was factually correct. The horses were back in the stables and they were, uh, they, they said, uh, I forget the exact words, but they said some are receiving attention or, or something along those lines. It was yeah. factually correct. Maybe they could have, put more emphasis on the fact that there were, you know, two, as it turned out, that were the subject of, of you know, concern. Um, but look, it's a, it's a high pressure environment. I don't think there was any, like some people would spin it as, you know, being a very cynical kind of use of words to make it, make the situation seem rosier than it was. And who's to say, bar the people that, that you know, wrote those words down in the paper. But um, look, it was unfortunate the way it panned out. Extremely sad, obviously. You know, the Grand National had, had gone through, you know, a wonderfully fortuitous phase, I suppose, since yeah. they made the changes. You know, seven years with no fatalities. Now we've had three in a row with at least one. Um, but these things yeah. happen, Kevin. Are, are we too apologetic, though, as an industry? Well, for, for, I, I, think, look, I think I, most people understand that it, it's part and parcel, unfortunately. And um, when you're dealing with any sort of animal, whether you're racing them or they're running around the field, there's always a chance that uh, something will go wrong. The chances are higher when you have a race like the Grand National. It is our most dangerous race, you know, statistically. Um, and, and look, we're, we're very, I suppose, we're very insecure about that. And yeah, but and okay, we, but Tony, we, Tony. We, Tony. Should we be catering to the shrieking lunatics who will shout the hell out of here? And I think everyone with their right mind accepts there are yeah. risks in every single sport, and particularly where animals are concerned. Why are we bowing down to those who are on the extreme end of fanaticism here? Because it is, it's not a straightforward subject, is it? I mean, there is there is there are wider issues here, and we've got a couple of related questions that we'll get to in a moment from, from readers on this subject. But yeah, I mean, I mean, we have a situation yesterday where a jockey, Charlie O'Shea, I mean, he, a wing, had a fall at Wing Canton yesterday, got airlifted to hospital and stuff like that. I mean, you know, it sounds a bit crash, uh, crass, isn't it? But 
you know, jockeys lose their lives and, you know, suffer, you know, career ending and life changing injuries. And we should be focusing on that a, a touch more. I mean, you won't get anybody more anim pro animal than me. And, I, you know, if I saw a dog being kicked in the street or, 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 or a young boy being kicked in the street, I'd go and save the dog first before the boy. I'll let the boy get a little bit of a kick in because, of, <laughs> because of, I would. Especially if he had ginger hair because he's <laughs> yeah, come on now. I stopped that. <laughs> no, but I'm, the belt. That's a kind of person because animals are so in the prism of that, I mean I, I do have a lot of you know there it, like it's a very emotive and a very sensitive subject, but yeah, I mean like you know, we have we have people who are putting their lives. You know, jockeys, I mean, just like they're unbelievable. They're just a different breed altogether, aren't they? I mean, we we say that all the time, but it's true. I mean, I mean, I just well, okay. Well, tell me this. Tell me this. I have a question for you, right? So, mm. us in the sport, working with animals, we know that livestock. If you've got livestock, you've got dead stock. That's the saying, isn't it? And it's unfortunately true, and none of us like to see it, but it is the way it is. Tell me this. Do you think if we ban the whip? Do you think if there was no whip? Do you think the national would be easier to defend? Because I no. find that what gets tied in with a lot of the antis is this whole you thrash them with a whip until you know. Obviously, it's completely wrong. If they, you know, they are completely wrong, but they use the whip and they tie that into the deaths around the national. And I'm now thinking, you know, if we ban the whip, would we save the national? Jesus, but if there's one race where you need a whip, it's the. I'm just, I know. I'm just asking the yeah. question. Well, well, I, I think I, I think I think if you I, no. I think if you bow down and, and you make allowances for the people who are calling for the whip to be outlawed, you know, as soon as that happens, they'll move on to the next thing, which is defenses should be gone and it should be just hurdles. And then after that, it's take the hurdles away and just have a four-mile flat rate. I think if you just start making concessions for the shrieking lunatics on that side, but you're never gonna be no, I agree, but they're not going anywhere. They're not going anywhere. That's my point. I, I I watched the you know, I watched the, the, I guess the Ferrar over this and um, in the aftermath of the announcement on ITV, which was a perfectly reasonable communication, and they were given the information and brought broadcasted as such and i watched the ferrara kind of develop over this and say oh well they, they were clearly lying and two horses of substitute and this is disgraceful and i just could I, I, the, the rational thought seems to go out the window when you're dealing with this kind of stuff i mean literally you have a logical um, sequence of events that is perfectly explainable it's perfectly rational if you follow it to its conclusion as kevin said everything they said was factually correct fine they might have chosen some words a little bit differently but that's really semantics here and you just see people waiting to be offended waiting to be outraged and losing all sense of kind of perspective on it. And I just find the whole but thing you, bizarre. But we can't, like, I do think that, you know, these, you call them shrieking lunatics or whatever, but like they've got a voice and they've got a platform and they're not going anywhere. And whether we like it or not, we live in 2022 now and times have changed, times have moved on. And right. this is only going to get worse. Like we can, we can like run around the houses with this all we like, but this is only going to get worse the more the years go on because this is the way the world has gone. Yeah, and I, I, I think just you're both know, right, in fairness. Like, I just like, don't uh, know how much on, you know, in the years to come, how, how like, are we still going to be able to defend the national in 10 years' time when this, like, this has snowballed, you know, the antis have snowballed even more? And in, I'm, Vanessa, in that, that, that question, you know, it's, uh, like, you, you're defending it to the people who will never be happy with it. So you're, you're defending it to the people who, who think it's indefensible. So there's no argument that you can make to, to satisfy these people. No, I agree no with argument. that. I agree with that. I do agree with that. But I just, for the image of the sport, you know, if we're not hitting them with a whip, 
I don't know. I don't know. Maybe yeah, I'm like wrong. I, I, Maybe I agree I'm wrong. with I agree with you in that you, you you can't you know appease the unappeasable. You never will until racing stops. You know that's how that's how ultimately you you appease them. You know we obviously don't want that. No. But I also agree, Vanessa, in that you can't be you can't be oblivious to public sentiment either. And you have to be doing your best to to do your best. And I think like they did make a lot of brave decisions with the national, you know, 10 years ago. And they got an awful lot of stick for it. And personally, I didn't agree with it at the time. But I think um, time has shown that it was the right decision. It made the race safer. And some would say it took something away from the spectacle. But I still think the national Mm. is a great spectacle. Um, It's not what it was, but it still remains what it is. You know, my my, my dad dad had I would be cautious of making any rash changes based on what we've seen in the last three years. You know, you're, you're, you're dealing with a small sample size and you're ultimately, you're, you're a hostage to just luck, good luck and bad luck. They were very mm. lucky for seven years in a row and then our variance has kicked them the last three years. But like, I think fundamentally the race is in a good spot in terms of the safety. And we can look anyone in the eye and say that, you know. Yeah, yeah my, my dad used to have a great saying. He said, never argue with an idiot. They lower you to their level and beat you on experience. And I think in this case, harsh on Vanessa. absolutely, absolutely <laughs> right. I argue with Vanessa. Okay, before we go to our listener questions, we do. Tony has narrowed them down to seven because we got a lot on the same topic as well. And because obviously with the nature of the last uh, four or five days, we were pushed for time. But uh, in relation to Gordon Elliott, maybe Kevin, you can feel this one. Um, he had a bit of a mixed week, obviously. Three Stripe Live was a great winner on, on Saturday for Davey Russell. Um, he put up a brilliant video if you saw on Twitter um, with his family there. It was brilliant. Obviously, it, it didn't go so well. And a couple of other um, races, uh, particularly the Stewards Inquiry, where the BHA stewards uh, decided inexplicably to overturn the decision. In fact, our... Um, Pied Piper, and I won't, I won't get into that because I'll be accused of talking <laughs> through my pocket, but uh, I'm not. But um, in terms of Gordon Elliott and um, the coverage around ITV, is is there an issue there? Uh, is there a problem that needs addressing? No, I, I thought I saw the comment on, on on social media in that because Gordon wasn't interviewed after his two grade one wins, and you know people were speculating that they oh, they must have made a decision not to interview, which like is just wrong. Um, like they have interviewed Gordon multiple times on ITV since he's come back from his um, his suspension. And, you know, just, just for the sake of asking the question, because I was on the ITV team and last week, albeit remotely, I asked Richard Willoughby, who was the, the program editor, like he was kind of amused by the, by the thought that there was some issue there. I, look, the, the problem that they had um, from a broadcasting point of view is there, there are shorter gaps at entry between races than there is at Cheltenham. So time tends to be very, very tight. And I think for Gordon's first grade one winner, um, he went out on the track to greet the horse on the track. So he physically wasn't in the parade ring where Matt Chapman was. And for the second one, I, I think time was the issue. So it was just unfortunate. You know, not every winning trainer got interviewed all week um, because of time restrictions. So it was just one of those things. I can see why people put two and two together and got 26. But um, there's no okay. there's no issue there that way. Yeah. But do we all agree it was a bullshit decision. That's true. It was a great <laughs> spaces. Right. OK. Um, <laughs> so Andy's Andy's right. So yeah, you Tony is, uh, yeah. yeah, you got um, your your typical uh, brilliant response for questions when you put it out on Twitter last night, TC. But look, just because time is against us, you've kind of narrowed it down to seven. And apologies to the ones we didn't get to, but I think this is a kind of a fair summation, really, of the tone of the questions that you were asked. So Andy Stewart says a nine-day ban for Sam Wayne Cole should result in a demotion. Genuinely, it's fair to be disgruntled if you back the second, which I did. Why no demotion? Is that a fair point that? You know, this guy, he's, been given, he's given a ban for a guy who's retired and a fine that, you know, Sam Wallet Cohen can pay with his eyes closed. And um, is there any kind of significant punishment here? Or, or, what's your view? No, you can't. I don't think you can go down the I mean, 
It's unsatisfactory, obviously. And there's no logic to someone transgressing the rules to any significant degree in keeping the race. But from a punting point of view, and the, and the sport is funded by punters and owners, if you started throwing out um, horses for whip transgressions, you'd get double result taken away from you. So punters would suffer there. And it would just be a, a real negative situation there. And, and also the stewards, they can, you know, if, if they go one over or two over, stewards have got in their discretion to discount certain strikes, haven't they? So it's a complete bloody minefield if you go down that route. But I, I've, I've, yet to, I've yet to read or, or hear of any suitable or logical conclusion, you know, to, to, a, to a problem. Because it, it is an issue. And like I say, when, when you've got... You know, happened four times at Cheltenham. Obviously, Whaley Cohen went three over here. Um, it, you know, it's it, it doesn't strike you as satisfactory, but I, I can't see I can't see an alternative. Um, I tell you what, I, I would all, like. I don't like the whip rules. I never liked the fact that they put a number on it. You're either happy with the with the implement and its use, or you're not. Um, so putting the number on it, I was never fond of. But look, we are we have the number now in, in Britain and Ireland. And look, if you want the rules, if you want people to stick to the rules, and jockeys are having still having major problems in Ireland sticking to the number, like just whip bands at every meeting. Um, if you really want the rule to work, you know, disqualification would do that. You know, if you set the limit a little bit higher, maybe 10, we'll say, for example, and said, right, if you, if you hit them over 10, you're, you're gone, black and white. Um, I don't think the rules would ever be broken. I don't think it would come up because jockeys would be so terrified of the consequences that they wouldn't go higher than eight. Exactly, you know? because it's so true. Like, you you know, if you're going to get chucked out of a national, you're not going to hit your horse more than eight times. If you're going to mm. just get a ban or a few days or a bit of bad press, you're going to hit your horse how many times you need to hit your horse to win the race. It's just the yeah. way you think. Yeah. Like, In yeah. terms I, of usage, like that, that might, like, I'm not saying you, you, you throw them out for kind of, you know, wrong place or excessive frequency or not given time to respond. You know, you deal with those the way they do now. But in terms of the number, if you want to put such a focus on the number, like I'm not, tot- I'm not totally against it. Because it would at least, I, I think, all but guarantee that there that there'd be next to no. Um, I'd say there'd be probably three or four in the early days, and then they get chucked out in the stewards' room, and you wouldn't see it again. Very possibly, honestly. yeah, very possibly. But you get a, you get a horse chucked out in a big race because of a whip transgression. Yeah, it would be the biggest shit show on earth. If for example, yeah, but it would be breaking eggshells to make an omelette. I think. Well, no, yeah. that happens in the Grand National Noble Yates last Saturday. You will go it, with the whole place would have exploded. Well, yeah. you know, but it's all on the jockey. You know, it, it's like the the whip is the jockey's responsibility alone, and if they break the rules, you know, I I don't I just don't think you'd see breakages. You know, I, I just don't. I think you. I think you get rid of it overnight. But and apparently, there it was. Um, Brandon Shea was asked that question on on race and debate yesterday. Is disqualification disqualification being considered in the whip review? And you know, he kind of gave it a. You know, he basically said, "Look, everything is being considered." He certainly mm-hmm. didn't rule out okay. the possibility. It'd be, bo- well, well, it'd be a ballsy thing to do, but yeah, I could see some uh, sense. Staying with the national, then Neil Dawkins says, with the loss of two hours yesterday, does the national need a significant drop in numbers? Will um, fewer runners solve any of the? Uh, problems that people are complaining I don't, about. I, like Kevin said earlier, I'd be against any more specific adjustments to the national itself in terms of fences, runners, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. I think. Well, Kevin said it all earlier. You know, they had a very yeah, good run of things, and I think the more you start tweaking, the like they've made their alter- alterations. Now they need to stand by them. Um, 
And, you know, I heard someone saying about the height of the fences. Obviously, we've seen the National be run, you know, it was run at quite a fast pace in the early stages. And is that because the fences are smaller? They're unlikely to build them any bigger all of a sudden. But, you know, I'd be very, very reluctant for there to be A, a cut in the field size, but B, any more adjustments to the fences themselves, in my view, anyway. Now, one thing I would say is that statistically across all national hub racing field size increasing field size does correlate with increasing fallers um now the national i always think is a little bit different than most races because of the track you know it's obviously so wide and the field is so well spread out for much of for for the much part that i don't know if that correlation should be directly transposed onto the national but that those stats are there and i I, if they were to look at something i suspect that would be the the way they'd go is it necessary though at this stage i don't like as mentioned i don't think we should be getting the frighteners under under us one thing i would and it's a side issue to that i think having watched the race and trying to track all your runners and the horses you're interested in from, from a spectator and a viewer point of view, less horses will give, give you a better idea of, 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 of and a give better you a viewing spectacle. Situation. Yeah. To actually see where your horses are. I mean, obviously over the first, you know, five or six fences, trying to, trying to even identify your horse yeah. in a 40 runner field is, is, is really bad. And obviously the first time a lot of people know about their horses is when the commentator says, Oh, that fell at the first. That's <laughs> That is, is that some, some of the, the trail. Thrill, this yeah, year it's it was the even worse. Of. Yeah, but this year it was even worse than ever. I was stood with a couple of connections and like literally like before the off, we were like, right, who, you know, who are we cheering on? Like who, who do we want to win this sort of thing? There was like a handful of about five names. And literally by the time they came back on the, like, you know, back past us again on their going out onto their second circuit, it was like, we were just like, who's still in it? Like who's still running? Who are we cheering well, it, it is I like a, you, it is a manic if we're experience. On commentary for, for I, I, I had a very different experience. I, for the first time, I, I didn't see the race live and I was driving because a friend of mine was playing in a rugby final up in Dundalk in Ireland, which is, um, about an hour's drive away from where I live. So I went up to watch his final and I was driving back and listening to it on the radio on I back. Oh. So I was listening to the five who's, live who's commentary. commentary. I was listening to the five BBC Five Live commentary and actually John Gary Hunt. O'Brien John was part, John um, Yeah, Gary O'Brien was part of it. They had they oh, five yeah. on it. But I, I, I can tell you, it was such a buzz for me because I backed two horses, lost in the translation and I backed um, Longhouse Poet. It was such a buzz for me listening out and they were calling the followers as they went round me not be able to see it. The commentary was brilliant, first of all, but like waiting for them to call Blast and Translation along his boat. And when every fence went on, I was like, yes, still yes. Alive, still alive. <laughs> it was a thrilling experience. And I actually realized, Christ, I'd actually, I'd love, I'd love to do that again. And I went back and watched it when I got home every knowing the result, but it was a completely different experience. And it was a brilliant experience, I have to say. And um, so, yeah, well done to, to all involved. It just, it was great. Um, um, just two more on the national then. Um, and I'll, I'll deal with Matters one before I get to Paul Fitzgerald. Matters says, I'm not soft or anti at all, but how do you deal with, uh, how do you deal morally with a situation like L.A. Bell dying up the run-in? Followed her, uh, the horse since debut, massive fan of her. My last memory is Skelton whipping her for a place and then her disappearing off the picture. Quite upset by it. I, I don't know, like whipping her for a place there, Matter again, even like your choice of words there to me doesn't accurately reflect, I guess, what would have been going it on. Does the sports. That, that it is the sport. It does tie into what Vanessa said. If there's no whip, we wouldn't be having this conversation. It, it wouldn't, it wouldn't uh, be using that. If he's pushing her out strong hands and heels, is that much different? Yeah, well, no, it, no, Kevin, it's not much different to me and you and people who are like heavily involved in the sport, no horses inside out. But to the general public, 
it is much easier to defend what happened to her if she's not just been hit with the whip six times. It just know, I, I, I don't know about this. I, I've never really bought into this notion. And I know some people... Really? Think, well, you the, don't think that the general public look at a horse being whipped six times and then drop dead and think, oh, that was a bit unfortunate. But I know, but I think it's so ingrained in the image of what horse racing is. Like, if you went and asked a child in anywhere in Ireland or England, go pre- pretend to be a jockey there. What do they do? They start hopping around in circles and go, cha, cha, you know, like, like a stick. You know, it's so ingrained in, in, in what horse racing is. Like, mm-hmm. I don't know, if, like, if, you can, if, you're, if, if you're the alien that we love to use, if you're an alien that came down and looked at it for the first time, it might look a bit severe. But, like, this has been part of it for, forever. And I think that image... Uh, you know, obviously, some people will, will view it a bit more severely than others. But is it something that that's a widespread image problem? Um, it, I, I don't think look, so personally, like, but, uh, but I'm not. So not I, look, on Kev, that I'm not. It makes me sound like I've gone wet and I want that. I don't know. That's not really the point that I'm making. But I just think from, you know, when so many I don't know when the public's eyes are really on the sport in this modern day. I know what you're saying about tradition. And you're so right. You know, a kid literally would sit on an armchair and pull their whip out. But just because it's traditional, as times move on, does it make it right? I don't know. Yeah, yeah, no, it's, okay. it's, it's, it's an interesting conversation. I can see exactly where you're coming from. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know. We'll agree to disagree, I think, uh, until something changes. What about Paul Fitzgerald's question then, uh, Tony? And I did allude to this earlier on. The ludicrous bet for SP return for the Grand National, Tony. And why wasn't it reconciled manually? Thank Come you. on, what Tony, tell us about here, it. What's what going on? What's going on? I have a personal interest here because... In the interest of fairness, I settle all my tips to Betfair SP and not the price I put them at. Oh, I put Noble Yates up at 85, and that was readily available for the next 24 hours from 70, 75, 80 onwards. And so, anyway, so after the race, um, after you know, great, great victory, I logged in and I thought 29.1 Betfair SP. I was devastated. So oh. I, um, and a lot of people, were, I looked on social media, Twitter afterwards, because I wasn't on it on Saturday afternoon. And people would say, oh, you know, what's going on, Betfair? You'll dodge the question. And, you know, and so I asked around and, and this is the answer. Basically, the horse was trading at uh, around about 60 right at the off. And then there was a big Betfair SP bet came in on, on the horse. It's obviously, it's very much like the tote. If a massive late bet comes in on the tote, it's going to affect the dividends. And that's exactly what happened here. So it's pretty much like chance. Whether he, whether, he wanted, whether he wanted to place a bet for his bet or wanted to place it in the main exchange and made a mistake, we'll never know. And because obviously that, that mistakes happen all the time. So that, that's what happened there. And that's, it, it was simply a very late bet coming to the market and distorts it. But, uh, and it's not as bad as I remember, I was being, I worked at Betfair on the PR side when they launched Bet for SP in 2008 and Comply or Die won at seven to one. The Bet for SP then, Returned at three point two eight to one, oh. and there was obviously and a load of horses trading uh, returned really really short, and um, so obviously it, it does happen. That was that was just a marketing mistake early on in the days of the bet for SP, but they did reconcile that and and, and pay the difference. But here it was just you know there's no guarantee. Bet for SP is not guaranteed to beat the tote, uh, beat the beat the SP industry SP price. It nearly does all the time, but you know you get these you get these. Um, you get these things cropping up. In fact, you know, it, it, and it does happen both ways. I mean, clearly it's regrettable uh, if you are betting at Betfair SP, but go back to Langadan the day before. Langadan returned an industry SP at four to one. Now I was watching that market and Langadan was trading around about a point bigger than that with the plate. The Betfair SP suddenly returned after the race 
8.4, which is 3.4 points bigger than the industry SP. And nobody goes on about that. And presumably that was a big uh, bet for SP lay going in there anyway. And, and obviously the percentage difference is massive, but yeah, it's regrettable. It's probably a little bit embarrassing. I would say that all the some of the releases I've seen sent out from Betfair on Saturday onwards made no secret of the fact it was bang there, Betfair SP 29.1. And, mm. um, yeah, it's just regrettable, but these things happen. But the, yeah, but is, is, isn't that bizarre for people to complain about a Tony? It's like having a bet on the tote. Like you're, yeah. you're, you're, you're not in control of the price you're taking. You know, you're at the mercy of what the mathematics dictate the dividend or, or the return no, is. You know, like, I, so. I would suspect if you're going to that market that late trying to place a big bet. I mean, I, I, 50-50 whether he, he, he clicked the wrong button rather than back it on the exchange. That would seem more likely, would it? That, that is, you know, like you said, that is what's, that's what's going on. It is, there's no guarantees. You're far, yeah. far more likely in the vast majority of cases to get a bigger price if you are using that medium. But, you know, this was just a, a okay. total bizarre one. Yeah. Glitch in the matrix. Okay, last three questions. Then James Edwards says, how can the reserve system in the national be improved? I assume it's in place to guarantee a full field of 40, but is it open to owner manipulation with multiple entries? Um, well, it is open to owner manipulation, but I think it's I think they have the system pretty close to being right now. You know, it's finalized early enough uh, for everyone to, to to know what's going on, you know, newspapers, etc., media outlets. And it does allow for, you know, genuine cases where a horse does get, does have a setback and allows something else to get in. You know, I think that I, I don't see an issue with it. I know that the, the optics of what happened the other day weren't super. Uh, that's the nature of reserve systems. You know, we've seen it plenty of times in Ireland where reserve systems are common and have been, you know, and have been changed in recent years to, to improve. But I, 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 I don't think it's a, I don't it's, think it's a problem. It, it, is, it is an issue when you see, you know, owners, with multiple entries in the race, taking out horses so another horse can get in. But obviously there are reasons given for the two two horses coming out, whether you buy that or not. Is there, Just one last point on this, and I heard a few people moaning about this and, and not seeing where it was, and I wasn't all over on Saturday because I was obviously elsewhere. Do the reserve, did the reserves that come in take the, the number Cloth yeah, that was a, that's, that's a slightly different way of doing it. Yeah. That is, that's bizarre. So basically, um, you know, if you're if you're reserve number forty three, you could be given number three in the race itself. Yeah. Why? Why just? I, I don't know. Yeah. Like may, maybe they want the numbers. Want not you know one to forty. I don't know. I, t- I thought that was quite that strange. Weird. I don't know how yeah. it, they do it differently in Ireland. Obviously, the reserves have a race card number. It blew um, it. Yeah, it's yeah. Why, if it's okay. number three in the list. Let it run at 43. Mm. Right. Yeah, yeah, fair enough. Last two. Then James Brinson says, what can be done differently in the paddock area during post-race interviews? Winning connections being caught in the middle of a press scrum. Surely journalists can watch the interview and report back on what's been said rather than crowding out connections. I don't know anybody that does this that puts their head in camera when someone's <laughs> been interviewed. You know, do you know anybody that does this? Repeat uh, me. Literally, like, a, mean, like, a, like some sort of a physical tick. No? I, no? I, I had a chat with somebody about this on uh, Tingle Creek Day, I see. <laughs> Most pleasant exchange of views, was it? Yeah. A cup of tea. The number of explosives versus the number of connected <laughs> words was uh, <laughs> I do think there's like I watching from the steps at Aintree a couple of times. 
I mean, there's like, I don't know whether it's the Aintree paddock specifically, because I think they do cram in the places up to the number one spot. And it did look a bit tight, but there was times where like, literally there was just a crowd of people in the winner's enclosure. Just great for the atmosphere. Great to see. But at least half of them are like, I want to use the word journalist very (laughs) loosely. Very loosely, because some of these journalists might just put up an Instagram post and think that that's yeah. being a journalist and should be in the winner's enclosure. <laughs> Basically, a lot of it is about, so they're racing it as, look, I'm here, I'm working, I'm on yeah. the yeah, and, not, and, and, and you know, I'm not entirely sure anyone's getting anything different in terms of a quote in that moment there, but there seems to be a scrum on to hear what they've got to say anyway. But, yeah. yeah, yeah. And, races, and they do it around the world, and they've done it. I know they've done it in Ireland and England in the past, that once the presentation is complete, they'll bring the winning connections off to an area for a little press conference. And, like, that seems so, – I, I I'm a press man, but I've, I've never really liked the press huddle. I don't think it's a, it's a nice way of doing things. I don't think it's good for the, the people that have paid money to go in the gate to be standing outside the parade ring wondering what's been said. Like yeah. this all should be under a microphone. It, yeah, should, it, should. Be, it should be. I'll broadcast. never forget one, one very funny short story about just press post-race. Uh, this is years and years and years ago, and it was with Sir Henry Cecil at Asker after Frankel had won. And I had just got the job as like intern slash runner for the old at the races. And my job was to get Sir Henry Cecil up to just like, it's probably not that far away, but where uh, where we were broadcasting from for Ascot at the time. And um, I like talk about just like ignorance is bliss. I just was like, I'll oh, just ask him. Like, why wouldn't you just <laughs> ask him? So I was like, oh, Sir Henry, could, could you come with me, please? And there was literally like, and then it wasn't until like, I just grabbed him and I was like, can you come with me? And he was like, okay so off we went <laughs> and literally it was like a press gang like i could tell that everyone was just looking at me like who the fuck what is the that and, going? <laughs> and um literally cornelius lysa kate like sort of like intervened and tried to get like tried to take him away from me and i like again ignorance split i was just like what <laughs> are you doing was that, was that Cornelius you were sitting in my seat, Lysa? Yeah, yeah. And I literally was like, what are you doing? And he looked at me as if I killed his mother. And oh, I was like, God. come on, Sir That's Henry, brilliant. you're with me. That's brilliant. And, That's brilliant. and, he, <laughs> and he thought it was, Sir Henry thought it was hilarious. <laughs> By the time I got him up our little steps, like you guys will know where I mean. Like yeah, it's just yeah. a little wiggle round. <laughs> By the time I got him up there, he looked at me and I remember he said, he was like, well done you. I tell you, <laughs> yeah, well done Brilliant. me. <laughs> if you're wearing those dodgy shades, you tend to. He'd probably too shit himself to say no. <laughs> yeah, no, exactly. no, I, I don't. Right. No, I don't. I don't. Last question. Last question. That's brilliant. That's brilliant. Ignorance is business, right? Sean Sexton says Paddy Brennan was faded by the racing media for his sportsmanship. In reality, he was observing the code of Omerta in the weighing room. Is that fair on punters? And why the connections never object anymore? It used to be common in the seventies and eighties. I don't think it is that common that jockeys are openly say no, no, no interference. Actually, the, you know, David did nothing wrong here um, the horse was absolutely fine with his rights to do what he did I don't think is it that common that that happens no I, I would well, I'd say it is relatively common but I don't think that was the case here like Paddy's a different kind of personality and like we saw it at Cheltenham we saw it here again like, like if I was the horse's owner or trainer I wouldn't necessarily want them to do that it's um, a grand difference yeah it's like 20 you, you grand know, difference yeah no one wants to win this through but you know yeah 
Yeah, okay. I think it kind of for me it kind of like sums up in a way horse racing full stop. We're just like so stuck fifty years ago because you wouldn't see that in in like modern sport elsewhere. Football, rugby, tennis, boxing, cutting the backs off each other. People (laughs) fight for every single point, every inch, every margin is fought for, and you know everyone's thrown under the bus, and that's the way the modern sport, modern sport in general, is. Yeah, in racing, it's like don't worry, mate, we'll share the prize. Don't worry about it. like, really? Are we, yeah. we going to move on from this ever, or are we just going to yeah. be traditional? I worked, I worked with Penny for four or five years, and he's a he is a character, right? He, he knows his own mind, and he won't be he won't be. Brilliant. Well, I thought it was great. I thought fair play to him. I thought he's absolutely right. Oh, dear listeners, you want to see the outburst of you, Cal, in our WhatsApp group. Our his result was announced. Absolutely. Oh, you know what? If you had a camera on him during the process, it would have been gold. You didn't have a whip, you. You wouldn't have double result, and you wouldn't have got your money back. Oh, that's true. That's true. Right. Uh, Be thankful for small mercies. Right, that's about it. And my thanks to all uh, the uh, listeners who sent in the questions as well and hopefully covered all the topics there. My thanks oh, to- a very quick you <laughs> to, the, to the people that said Sam Whitty called should it was ridiculous <laughs> to give him a ban because he was retired. What planet are you on, lads? He broke the rules. He had to get a ban. It doesn't matter if he's retiring or not. Come on. Right. Okay, okay. Well, we'll leave it on that. My thanks to Kevin, to Tony and to Vanessa. We're not ones for hyperbole or overreaction or hyping up here where it's not warranted. We are appealing right now Constitution Hill, Honeysuckle, the Queen against the Pretender. It could be George Foreman against Muhammad Ali. It could be Pele against Maradona, Jack Nicholas against Tiger Woods. Whatever you like, it would be a clash of the ages. Make it happen. Good luck. Yes!